Photo Credit, CDC. Diabetes is a chronic condition that can affect many aspects of health. In the most simplistic explanation, diabetes is a disruption in the body's ability to utilize the sugar in foods we eat effectively. Our body needs sugar for energy. When we eat certain foods, carbohydrates, namely, our body breaks them down into sugar for energy. With the help of insulin, a hormone produced by the pancreas, the sugar we eat is able to get into the cells that need the energy, brain, muscles, organs. Insulin is often described as the key that unlocks the door for sugar. Without it, the sugar cannot get into the cell and remains in the bloodstream. Sugar that remains in the bloodstream causes all sorts of havoc, we'll take about this a little more later. Photo Credit, Pixel The waters for diabetes diagnosis and classification have been muddied over the years. Much of this is related to new research that has helped us better understand the mechanisms behind why diabetes exists, and how to best treat it. The most recent classification of diabetes describes two major types type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes, once called juvenile onset diabetes, is classified by the pancreas producing very little or no insulin at all. This type of diabetes used to be called juvenile onset diabetes because it was primarily only diagnosed in children and teenagers. This is because the mechanism behind this type of diabetes is related to an autoimmune destruction of insulin-producing cells. This autoimmune destruction happens in the formative years of life, and eventually destroys enough cells where there is not enough insulin production to meet the body's demands. We now know that some individuals, usually adults, may have non-autoimmune destruction of insulin-producing cells, leading to very little or no insulin production. This is often referred to as secondary diabetes. These cases have been linked to diseases or injuries that can affect the pancreas. Type 2 diabetes, once called adult-onset diabetes, is classified by the pancreas producing enough insulin but the body does not respond appropriately to the insulin. This is also known as insulin resistance. This occurs due to genetic predisposition, combined with lifestyle choices. Currently, 34.2 million Americans have type 2 diabetes, and more than double that have prediabetes. This is the epidemic that I would like to focus on today. These numbers are extremely concerning because of what chronically elevated blood sugar can do to the body. Chronically elevated blood sugar can lead to damage to the blood vessels that lead to the heart, brain, kidneys, eyes and arms and legs, leading to heart disease, kidney disease, eye disease and neuropathy, a type of numbness slash tingling pain in the arms and legs. I once had a professor explain in like this, think of a sugar crystal, with all its jagged edges. Now think of that, floating through your blood vessels, tearing them up. Elevated blood sugar also leads to frequent infections and decreased healing time. The same professor explained it as think about syrup, it's thick. Just like how your blood is when it's full of sugar, decreasing the necessary flow to help get white blood cells, infection-fighting cells, where they need to go. This can lead to infection so bad that amputation is needed. These complications can significantly affect a person's quality of life. They are the reason why this epidemic is so important to talk about. As I mentioned, type 2 diabetes is a combination of genetic predisposition and lifestyle factors. Many might have you believe that lifestyle factors alone are responsible for type 2 diabetes, however this is just not the case. I want to be sure to make special note of this because many people feel a sense of stigma or shame when it comes to type 2 diabetes diagnosis. With that being said, you cannot change your genetics, but you can change your lifestyle choices. 
The two biggest lifestyle choices that affect type 2 diabetes is diet and exercise. I know nobody wants to hear that. We all want to eat our cake and pizza, and watch our favorite Thursday night show, and you can still do those things. You just have to make time for healthier diet choices and activity as well. Everything is in moderation. We love our carbs here in America. Cakes, cookies, candies, breads, pastas, rice, pastries, donuts, alcohol they are all carbs, and they all turn to sugar in the body. They are yummy, and in moderation okay to have. But every meal should not contain a carbohydrate, and every serving sizes is not equal. Our bodies need carbohydrates, because they need the sugar for energy, but we don't need energy at night before we go to bed, do we? Limit your carbohydrates to the morning and afternoon hours as much as possible. Also, be aware of serving sizes and limit to two carbohydrate servings per day. Up your activity, even if you have an active job. Having an active job is great, but your body is used to that activity and it's already adjusted for it. It's recommended for everyone to get 30 minutes of moderate intensity activity most days of the week. That's only 120 to 150 minutes of your 6,720 minutes, if you sleep 8 hours per week. Does that help put it into perspective? It's really not a lot. For some, moderate intensity might just be a brisk walk. If it's been a while since you've had a checkup, please get checked. Know your risk and do something about it. The CDC has a pre-diabetes risk assessment you can do at home here. It's a start to see if you need to be seen for further evaluation and recommendations. I'd love to help you any way that I can. Please feel free to always reach out with any questions, comments, or concerns you may have.